What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. And if you want to help support the podcast in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars. If you feel like it's deserving of so, you just say a few nice words in the review and that will help propel the podcast into the tops of the iTunes charts, which will uh, give it more national and international visibility and uh, just more exposure for the folks that come on the podcast and uh, just a great way to contribute to the sustainability of this thing and, and growing the podcast. And uh, like I said, it only takes a couple minutes. I appreciate the hell out of the folks that have already taken the time to do so. It is uh, much appreciated. You can also check out the Dan Cable Presents YouTube channel, which features a bunch of in-studio performances and live show performances, uh, all genres of music covered on there. There's Probably 150 videos or so up there. And um, if you're tuning into this Lonus episode, what would be uh, something up your alley? If I would look for the Isabo. Search for the Isabo videos on the YouTube channel if you're, uh, if you're digging this episode. Those are uh, some of my favorites and, and one of my favorite Portland, Oregon Singer-songwriters, uh, Isabeau Waiu Walker, and uh, she's a killer. But So uh, give the YouTube channel a subscribe if you are uh, feeling in the, the giving mood of the holiday season. Or if you just want to subscribe so you know when, when new videos hit the feed and you want to know about new music that's coming out of uh, Portland, Oregon, or, or elsewhere. In, um, in the case of this episode, we have... We have Lonis from, from Nashville, which is so killer, and I can't wait to share this conversation. This, this thing, this was a great one. Not, not that the others that have come before were not also great, but I don't know. Sometimes you jump on the phone with a stranger, and uh, you feel like you have like a new best friend after, and uh, I'm hoping to, to connect with Lou in the future. But we're going to jump into that conversation uh, momentarily, you can also check out dancablepresents.com, which is the central location to find everything going on. And the new episode always pops up there on Fridays when it becomes available. But if you just hit subscribe wherever you're listening from, whether it's iTunes or another podcast app, if you hit subscribe on that, uh, that Dan Cable Presents channel there, then, then the new episode will pop into your feed as soon as it's available. You know, you don't have to like go hunting for it every Friday wondering where it's at. It'll just, it'll just appear there when it's available. So, uh, so do that. And, uh, at Dan cable presents on Instagram is where you can, uh, where you can follow me to find out about local music or upcoming guests on the podcast or, or just, uh, shows that are going on. Or if you just want to, uh, 
for some reason know what I'm listening to. I, I often uh, will share songs on there as well. And uh, that's all the uh, that's all the preamble I think for um, for this week. This was this was a, a rough week, man. This is the the week that I thought for I don't know. I mean, I think I would have maybe pulled together some sort of playlist episode in a pinch to make sure that the streak continues to keep an episode coming out every Friday since July of 2016. I don't know how many exact weeks that is. I should probably check into it, but it's, it's some number and, uh, it really doesn't matter, but this is, uh, this has become the thing every Friday. I said that I'm going to put an episode out and, um, I've done so for a, a long time. And, um, it's become this this crazy weekly task of mine in a in a, but not in an, I don't want to make it sound like this is some obligation because it's not and um I think one of the things that has really helped me this year especially is um on the days that I'm feeling a little overwhelmed about having to do the podcast I've I've just shifted that mentality into I I get to do the podcast and and it was a long day at work. It's the holiday season. The grind is crazy. If you work at a bakery or like food service right now in general, you're probably getting uh you're really you're really getting it right now. And um I appreciate you all because that's that's my jam. That's my 9 to 5 grind and uh the holiday season calls for a lot of cakes. I'll tell you what. And, um, so, you know, by the end of the day around these, these holiday weeks, I can feel a little burnt out and it's important for me to, to remember throughout the day that I'm talking to somebody that, that I don't have to do this podcast and that I get to. And, um, that's what I, um, got to do this evening. You're listening to it the next day, but really, really pushing, up against the release date here. This is Thursday evening. This comes out on Friday. You know, this is December nineteenth, and and uh, and this is coming out on December twentieth. So sometimes this is this is just the way it goes down. But um, I was listening to to the Lonest Tunes all day, which I really enjoy, and um, I definitely let Lou know while we had this conversation that I was a big fan of the, uh, the songs, but, um, yeah, I just, I just kept telling myself that I get to do this podcast tonight. I get to talk to this dude about his tunes and, and how cool that is. But, um, yeah, man, all I'm trying to say is that this is not a necessarily like an obligation, but it is part of my like weekly, it has become a part of my weekly checklist of, what needs to get done today is the podcast ready for the week. And, and sometimes there are episodes banked for, you know, four to six weeks, sometimes two. But, you know, there's a lot of times where it's a it's a week to week thing. And, and that's kind of where I'm at right now and um, trying trying to get caught up if possible. But that's just not that's not what's happening. And um it's just been a rough week. And, and I was uh, I was feeling like if. Uh, this this phone conversation didn't happen that I was like in a real pinch because I had waited 
till kind of the final hour on this thing. And, um, luckily it did and everything worked out and I stressed about it for the week for no reason, just like most things in my life. And, um, I'm so stoked that I had this, this chat with Lou and I told him towards the end of the conversation that, you know, it's been, been kind of a rough day and, um, just another one of those. I know, I know I say this from time to time in these intros, but this is just one of those conversations that, that really, uh, really filled me up, man. And, and, uh, just changed my, my whole, my whole energy for the, for the night is, uh, is shifted in, in such a, such a positive way. And, um, sometimes these phone conversations, especially with a stranger can be difficult to kind of work out timing because there is a delay on the phone and not using any sort of video like a Skype or anything to go along with the conversation. So there's no real visual cue either. So, um, and I just thought Lou was such a cool dude and we, we hit it off like right away and, and it was very easy to, uh, to find a rhythm. And, uh, I think we got a great phone feed, which is awesome for this uh this particular episode and uh just very stoked just very stoked to share episode 193 with you and i'm really excited that it all came together once again another uh another friday where a new episode drops so very very fucking cool and i just appreciate everybody who continues to listen to this podcast and the ones that have been listening for a very long time. I know some of you listen all the way back from the beginning and, and, uh, it's very cool, man. And I'm so appreciative and it's so wild that there are now 193 episodes of this podcast. And it's, it's so cool to get to connect with not only people in the Pacific Northwest and Portland, Oregon and, and Seattle, but to uh to really be trying to utilize the phone this year has been very key in like kind of spreading this into other regions of the nation or even parts of the world at this point so that's been been very cool and uh yeah this is just one of those things man where i find out about an artist through um in iTunes new music playlist. And, um, I just started following the social media and shot him a message the other day. And, and Lou was responsive and, and super into to chatting. So I'm, I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that I was able to, uh, to connect with him and, and get a hold of him. And uh, we're going to jump into the conversation here. I do want to shout out one calendar date, and that is December 27th. It's next Friday, Portland, Oregon, Alberta Street Pub, the fourth annual Dan Cable Presents Holidays Party is going down. And uh, I'm really excited about it. Um, Really fun lineup this year. It's very spread out and... I think represents the eclectic nature of this podcast. Um, we got Colt Crimes opening the show, which is going to be some wild electronic uh, with drums and a 
lot of looping going on and uh, some backing tracks that yours truly will be uh, firing. So that'll be cool. Um, I'm also going to be DJing a little bit in between sets. So I'm stoked about that. And then we got Stress, the hip hop collective. Stress will be there. That is going to be awesome. And then closing out the night to make it a dance party. Super secret band. Um, all of these folks have been on the podcast in some form. Uh, not necessarily the uh, Stress Collective, but all uh, most of the individuals that make it up have all been on. And then London from uh, Cult Crimes, who um, was on the podcast with Small Leaks Sink Ships which I think was uh, like one year ago now because that was the last episode um, last year, I think. So, and uh, Super Secret Band, they've been on the podcast before too. So that is all very cool and I'm really looking forward to that. So that is December 27th, Alberta Street Pub. It's $7. It's uh, starting at nine. Come through if you're around, if you need to escape the family or you have cool family that you want to bring out bring them let's do it let's party and let's get into episode 193 lonus is on the show i will put all the links in the episode notes so you can follow along with lonus and um, happy holidays to all you folks out there that are celebrating holidays be well be good to each other we're kicking it off with the first track off of uh, lonus's youth ep this is called doesn't feel right let's do the damn thing is it possible for me to get through all the noise that's surrounding you? Maybe it's illogical, but I know it's the truth that's missing in what we do. What does it mean?
Dan Cable. Lou, how's it going, man? It's going great. How are you? I am doing very well. Thank you for uh, taking the time to jump on the line f- with me, man. Absolutely. I'm I'm flattered that you uh, that you asked and uh, that you even heard of who I am. That's Dude, really cool. You know, it's kind of the wild ways of the the internet, I suppose, these days. And uh, I don't know. The internet is something that I guess gets a lot of. Uh, well-deserved shit these days for you know not necessarily always being the best thing but it definitely has not all bad it's not all bad it definitely has a way of connecting people and um you know i i found out about your music um the next time around was was that the that was the first single that you released uh yeah it was actually it was the second but but for all intents and purposes it was i mean it was one of my very first, yeah, things as as Lonus. So, okay, well, that came on to my new music playlist on my Apple Music. Awesome, and that is how I found out about your tunes. And um, at that time, it was it was earlier this year. So at that time, you hadn't put the EP out yet. That's right, and. I guess there was maybe one other single floating around, and then I remember high school kids became available at some That's point right. and i stumbled so so what's funny about that so uh i t- like apple music has been like hugely helpful um to me thus far and um i i didn't really let them know about high school kids the, when i first released it and then the next time around was the first single i kind of gave to them and was like hey guys like i'd love your support here and they they put that out and kind of gave it a little bit of love on some playlists. And then uh, high school kids kind of came around later as a, like a resurgence, which is why you probably saw it as coming out second when actually it was my first single. Gotcha. Well, yeah. I, I was hooked in, man, with the next time around jam right away. And uh, that's awesome. Yeah. I just, uh, I just connected to the lyrics right away. And, um, I don't know. The the life is fucking hard line. I was like, this is my guy. I'm into this. That's, that's it. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, I feel like I am. I, I don't know how, how old you are, but I, I feel like I'm writing for a very specific demographic, which is not always good for, uh, you know, trying to get your stuff heard by a lot of people. But I think it's you. I think I'm <laughs> I think I'm. I'm making my music for me and for you. Well, thank you. I so appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, um, man. I'm, it's got to be for somebody. I'm definitely in my mid-30s and uh, definitely connect heavy to all of your existential crisis material. So mm, keep it coming, perfect. man. <laughs> That's it. I, I plan on it. I plan on it. That's great. Um, That's great. Where'd you grow up, man? Uh, I, I grew up in uh, South Florida. Um, West Palm Beach, um, went to an arts high school there and then college in St. Augustine, um, Florida. And then, uh, now I'm in Nashville. So that's kind of a a rundown. You only asked where I was from, but I gave you the whole, the whole thing. No, you're doing great. You're you're (laughs) leading right into the next question. So it's all good. That's it. That's Um, it. What, what, uh, brought you to Nashville? Um, music. I mean, I, so Actually, I, I left one step out after I, I went to college for a couple of years and then decided that I wanted to jump into music. Um, and I had met uh, a girl 
Jordan Meredith in St. Augustine. And we started a band um, that we ended up calling the St. John's and, and moved up, moved up to New York um, to try to like, I don't know, make it or whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever <laughs> yeah. kids try to do, whatever like big city dreams we kind of had, we, we took to New York quickly after one year realized that that's a really fucking hard place to, you know, make things happen. And, uh, just cause it's so expensive and, and, you know, everyone's head down kind of grinding all the time. And, uh, so we, we moved back to Florida for a short time and then Nashville was kind of our second attempt and we've been here for 10 years. So I think we, we found home base for sure. Yeah, man. I, I think like New York definitely has to be a market and a scene that's kind of difficult to insert yourself into the same way that like Los Angeles can, can be that way as well. Yeah. I mean, for me, I, I really think that New York is like one of the most amazing cities. If you have something that you're doing there, like, I think if you just move there with like aspirations to like figure it out, I think you're probably going to burn out pretty quickly, which is kind of what we did where it was like, you know, I was doing anything I could, you know, Jordan was, was bartending and, and waiting tables. And I was like doing extra work on, you know, law and order episodes. And it was just kind of like, what are we even doing? Like we could be living somewhere else and actually comfortably making music and doing what we're trying to do instead of grinding and grinding and grinding just to like keep our heads above water. So I think if you were going to school there, or if you were like had a job there that was like, you know, kind of keeping you active. I think New York can be a really great place to be an artist. It's just a matter of, for us, we just didn't have that kind of luxury at the time. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, when did you, what was like your early exposure to music? Man, I have been playing music kind of my whole life. My, my dad, um, was in a, a bunch of bands, um, as I was kind of not even a thought in, in the world yet. And then, uh, and then again, afterwards, uh, about my first five years of, of being around, he brought me to all of his shows and, and did a bunch of stuff with him, folk festivals and things like that. And then he became a lawyer. And now about 20 years later, he's, back in music again he's started a band and it's it's really awesome to see but he's kind of the reason i i got my first guitar and i started playing drums because i didn't want to play the same instrument he played and and then came back around to guitar and um so yeah i mean i i would attribute a lot of that to my dad and then i started just bands you know pop punk bands in oh, yeah. the <laughs> late 90s late 90s early 2000s i listened to a couple of the your your episodes uh where you you said some stuff about being in a big under oath fan and i mean that was kind of i was there man i was like in that i wanted to be that scene absolutely sure. dude uh i don't know yeah. what it is about like that music but it still gets me like super fucking pumped up too and i love listening yeah. to those records <laughs> like especially if there's if there's a day that i need to get shit done or if i'm on my way to hockey, I'm usually listening yeah. to something like Under Oath or something like that. Yeah, it's funny. It's it's so weird because uh, a lot of those bands, like we're all Florida bands anyway, and so like uh, you know, Newfound Glory and you know, 
yellow those, card. Those kind of, yeah, yellow card. Exactly. Like the, all the, those bands were kind of coming up around us and we, that's all we knew. Like there was no good radio station to listen to, um, down in West Palm where I grew up. So we were kind of just like, you know, you'd go to the record store and you'd find, you know, the punkorama, you know, volume seven and yeah. just be like, Oh, what, what are these bands? You know, like this is cool. No effects is sick. Like, let me just like jump into this. And then, you know, that was life. That was the only thing I knew for the first 18 years, basically of, of my musical exploration, which is not great for a well-rounded musical career, but you know, <laughs> you, it is what it is. I mean, it informed your songwriting somewhat i would assume oh, yeah, i mean i mean I, I mean it's great if it's accompanied with a bunch of other stuff just to get yourself a little bit well round more well-rounded but i had to go dive so hard the other direction once i kind of got out of that world i had to really learn a lot really fast because i was you know i had been a little bit stunted I, I say that but like i was listening to like simon and garfunkel and the beatles and shit when i was growing up but it's just kind of like what I really loved was like a very niche, like pop punk thing. It's so funny. Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, I don't know. It's funny growing up in Southern California. I think it's like a very similar vibe of like oh, yeah. having a lot of those pop punk bands come out of that area yeah. as well. So like a very similar thing to your, your I mean, Florida experience, you know? Blink-182 is my, like, all-time favorite, and, and like I said, no effects. It's, like, all those bands, like, coming out of Southern California. It's just, like, so good. Yeah. So much good stuff. I just, I wanted to live in Southern California, which is weird, because so many bands were coming out of Florida, and I was, like, looking at Southern California being like, I wish I could be there. <laughs> yeah, and all those, so. like, all those compilation CDs were so huge at that time, because we didn't have, oh, huge, play yeah. we didn't have playlists at that time there was no spotify right. and itunes so those those comp records like those warp tour records that would come out every year those were like the way to find out about those new bands you know what's funny about that i i think about that a lot i think about you know even the rock against bush compilations i don't yeah, know if you remember absolutely. remember that <laughs> but i like loved that and i was like man this is so cool like i love the idea of bands being like kind of politically charged because it gave me a little bit more to go off of, of like, all right, what are these guys like actually like, you know, before Instagram and, and everything, you didn't know what your favorite bands actually thought about the world, you know? And so I would, I would kind of take that and be like, okay, so like these guys care about real things too. They're not just like punks going around doing whatever, you know, playing music and like getting high, you know, it's like these, these guys actually give a shit. And, and that kind of changed, my mentality about things and it actually got me kind of gave me this idea recently to start uh, a streaming playlist where like all of the royalties and revenues are going to go to like the campaign of of the democratic nominee in in 2020 which i'm working on now i'm calling it streams for change and it's like kind of in the infant state right now but um, I'm hoping to kind of get that up and running in the next, you know, month or two. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a, that's a very cool idea. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think I also like 
connected to that similarly like when those rock against bush things came out yeah. or just getting like really exactly. into like outside of the pop punk stuff there was a really cool um punk rock music venue in the city that i grew up in and it was just huge on the punk rock circuit and just get to see a lot of those bands that were very like politically charged and like doing it for right. some other reason and then getting to know like the punk kids in high school and they're doing like the food, not bomb stuff and, and things like that. Right. Um, after you picked up, like went back to the guitar and had your, your, uh, your time on the drums. Did you get, um, were you pretty intrigued by songwriting right away? Yeah, I think, I mean, I was always pretty like, I always loved songwriting. I think, you know, I, I was writing songs on drums and stuff, which just didn't really make any sense. But I would, I would like, I remember I did like a fifth grade uh, talent show where I wrote a song and had my dad play guitar like behind a curtain so that we couldn't see him playing. <laughs> and, and I just played drums and sang this song called I Can't Wait for Summer Vacation. And I was like, you know, I was like, 10 or something like like maybe even younger and i was just like singing the song playing drums and i thought like i could do that i was like oh yeah i'll be like the eagles or something you know like i'll just like play play and sing and like that'll be my thing and i quickly just realized that it was i was making like so much more work for myself to try to be like start a band or something where the drummer sang everything and I, I don't know. I just kind of quick, like I, I started like trying to join bands that already had drummers and I was like, well, I can sing. And they're like, well, can you like play guitar? And so I kind of, I guess that's kind of where I was like, all right, I guess I'll just play guitar. Cause I knew some chords and stuff and I could figure it out. And so, yeah, I guess when I was like 12 or 13, I, I, I joined my first band as a guitar player and that was kind of the end of my my you know massive drumming career <laughs> and I, I know that was like pretty early on that you were playing the drums but do you right. feel like since you started kind of trying to write songs as a drummer that that informed your vocal delivery rhythmically at all or is that like yeah looking too far into it i mean i think that every every musician should like get acquainted with, um, with drumming and, and rhythm in general, you know, it's like when you're like a voice major, you do a lot of rhythm exercises, you know, in, in school. So it's like, that's always been really important and, and learning how to, um, you know, articulate and how to, um, just sing, with feel and with rhythm. So I think for sure it's been super helpful to kind of have that background. Um, and I don't know if it's like fully changed the way I write songs, but I think like as far as delivery, um, I definitely think that it, it helps a lot. So, yeah, I, I mean, even my first experience being in the studio as a vocalist for a, a band for a while, um, I just remember like that first time being in the studio with a legit producer 
engineer and them just hammering this this idea right. of like being in rhythm and and keeping everything tight and not really for some reason not really having that ever click in until like being in the studio in that moment of of how important it is to like be in the pocket with everything yeah it really matters much more when you're recording um you can get away with a lot of stuff live but um my main kind of focus in the last like couple of years has been producing so I, i've been producing some other artists and and i've been working with you know a bunch of people in nashville just doing demos and things over the years and it is so 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 hard to record a vocalist who like pitch aside like maybe they have really great pitch but like if they're your timing if you're like always ahead of the beat or always behind the beat or sometimes ahead and sometimes behind it's just like a nightmare to try to make it work you know and and conversely it's like really 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 easy to make somebody like make somebody's voice fit into a track really well if they sing it right you know if they just like sing with like really good pocket and really good pitch it's like you don't have to do anything i was actually just talking to a a producer buddy of mine today about that about how you can like really think you're a crap producer when you work with like five or six people in a row that you're like, I can't fit their vocal in this track. Like maybe it's me, maybe it's the track, maybe it's how way I'm recording their vocal. And then you get that one person who just crushes it and they sing it. They sing something down one time and you're like, I don't even have to EQ this or do anything to this. It just sounds great right away. And I think that's just like a testament to how important it is you know, with even with all this technology that we have to like align vocals and to tune everything, it's like there's something about a performance of somebody who just can hit it that you can't you can't fake. Yeah, so absolutely. I definitely think that playing drums for any singer would definitely could only help, you know. Yeah, definitely. I, I just noticed also usually watching drummers who do sing and maybe like singing lead in songs. It just seems like they have a different approach to the the whole thing. Like they just have yeah. a different feel to it. Um, I know the Lonus stuff is, is relatively like new, like that project being out in the world, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's my, um, so I, like I said, I was in a band called the St. John's, which we actually are kind of, we were on a little hiatus, but I think we're, we're kind of starting to make some more music, but, um, that was our main focus for the last, um, basically like 10 years, but around three years ago, two and a half years ago, we, we had a little hiatus and she started her own side project and I started, um, Lonus. So her project is called sad penny. And I actually, what's funny is I, I co-produced that and, uh, played drums on oh, her nice. side project. So, so kind of full circle with drums, but yeah, so Lonus was started just about two years ago. I, I kind of, um, had my first like five songs together that I was like, what is this? Is this like my side project? Is this for like something else? And then I decided to just run with it and, and start the Lonus project and just dive in. So, 
And is that also like around the time that you start really immersing yourself kind of in a producer role with other artists? Yeah. Um, right around the time that I released my first single, cause I, I self-produced everything that I have out and, uh, it kind of just got some attention from some people around Nashville. Um, and it, it just kind of worked out perfectly to where I was like, well, I'm, kind of not touring right now you know my project's a little too new to like just hit the road um and play to no one basically is what i would be doing if i i went on tour right now but um it would be it was perfect for me to just kind of hunker down in the studio and like get better at at this aspect of it and and try to help some other great national artists kind of tell their story and so that's what i've been doing yeah, do you think um, having the chance to produce and work with a lot of other artists um, informed the the tunes you were writing or the tunes that you are writing with this Lona's project? What's so funny about the timeline of everything is that I basically, I had my whole EP written and mostly recorded like two years ago. And I spent a bunch of time kind of like shopping around to different like labels and publishers and trying to like possibly get started at like a little bit of a different point. And then just decided like about a year or a year and a half ago, like right before I released the record, I was just like, I'm just going to release this stuff, start building it on my own. There's no reason to, to kind of wait, um, for anyone to jump on board just yet. So these songs are all fairly old. What's been funny is I've been producing all these other people and I, I think I've been making things sound better than my own stuff because I like invest more because it's, you know, somebody else is kind of like taking it home. And I'm like, well, I want you to love this. I got, let's go, you know, spend three days in a studio and like make this rad, you know, or whatever, instead of just recording everything in my little shoebox um, studio in my house. And so like, I've invested all this time and energy into these other projects that I'm coming out at the end, other side and being like, holy shit, this is awesome. I need to do this for my stuff. <laughs> so that's like, that's where I'm at right now. So I feel like it will inform the next Lonus stuff it hasn't quite had the benefit of being informed by what i've learned yet because i like i said i've been done with this stuff for so long so i'm excited for the next round um next round of songs i'm i think i'm really gonna have a lot more to give to my my tunes so i'm excited for for those yeah, and I know I know on the on the youth EP there are some writing collaborations, it appears, in the in the credits. Yeah. Um for sure. Is that just like the nature of what happens in Nashville with all the musicians and, and songwriters out there? Yeah, I mean absolutely. I so you know, I actually feel like I didn't co write very much for this project in comparatively um, to the other projects that I've done. And, um, like for instance, like the St. John's, my, my previous band, we had, you know, four writers on almost every song. Um, and for this, it's like, I have maybe two, 
you know, two writers on is the max I have on any song. And a lot of the songs I wrote myself or about half, I guess I wrote myself. So it's, um, it's funny you say that because yeah, I guess I, I kind of forget that that's not normal in, if you're like in, you know, another, any other city really other than LA, maybe, you know, you're pretty much going to just have the band members as the writers of the song. Um, or maybe even just the lead singer or main writer. So I think being in Nashville, you you sort of learn pretty quickly how other people can help, you know? And, and so you build a, a team around you that's like going to add value. You know, they're definitely, I wouldn't co-write for this project with anyone, you know, or even with, a lot of great writers in town that I know that I write with all the time that I wouldn't really bring into this because I know the things that they add to a session. And though they're very, very, very valuable in one aspect, I know that they're probably not right for what I want to have come across. And specifically it's like mostly lyricists. I haven't really brought in like people that are like just really great lyricists. I haven't really brought in to this project because it's kind of feels like it needs to be personal to me. Yeah. So a lot of the co-writing has been musical co-writing. And then I kind of say, cool, the track feels like it's in a good spot. Let me take this and just kind of like go in my room for, you know, a couple of days and then I'll, I'll come back to you, you know? So that's kind of the difference in this project and the co-writing than, than a lot of other co-writes that, that I've done or that you might think, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm just a big fan of like people breaking down those, those boundaries of bringing other songwriters into their projects and, and just like bringing in the people that might best serve the song, you know? Absolutely. And I mean, I'm now in this next process uh the next ep that i'm that i'm doing i'm working even with you know other producers and stuff because i've never felt like oh i have to be the one to produce everything and do everything but i do feel like unless it's the right mind to come in and collaborate with me i'm not just trying to go out and find somebody else to do it because i'm perfectly capable i just love collaboration and i love feeling another person take where I left off and be like, and just be able to look at it and say like, holy shit, I would have never brought it there. That's giving me an idea now, you know? So it's like that collaborative, you know, ideas is always something that I'm looking for. Um, A lot of times it's just everybody else having the time to kind of like invest in the project and, um, so yeah, that's where I'm. That's where I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, man, it's very cool when when someone else can kind of reveal pieces to you of something. And uh, I know high school kids is one of those jams that you wrote with someone else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's my buddy Andy Prince, um, who is an amazing musician. Um, he's he's mostly a bassist, but he can he can also just like all of a sudden you're like he'll write the best lyric you've ever heard like a lot of high school kids i know i just said that i mostly wrote all the lyrics but (laughs) high school kids he wrote like a couple of the best lyrics 
um, of that song. And I'm like blanking on which ones he wrote, but it doesn't matter. But basically he just like, he's so great. And, uh, I, he's one of those guys that I just know if he comes in the room, he's going to bring things to another level. Mostly like the cool factor just like goes way, way up. Cause he also plays bass in a band called Manchester orchestra. Oh, fuck. Yeah, and, dude. Uh, I love that. Band. Yeah. I was just listening yeah, to their, yeah. like a record of theirs last night. <laughs> yeah dude they are very sick and if you've ever seen them live um he's been playing bass with them for the last like three or four years and if you've ever seen them in those in that time like you can't take your eyes off of vandy he's just like the most charismatic bassist and you just believe him you know he's just like playing parts just like any other bassist but you watch him and you're like yeah he it's like watching the strokes or something i don't know it's Hell crazy yeah. But uh, yeah, he's he's been sweet enough to uh, kind of come over and, and help me with with a lot of uh, a lot of stuff over the years. So that's been really fun. Right on, man. Well, we're gonna get into it. This is uh, this is high school kids off the youth EP. Hell yeah. the same We just got older I bet you nothing has changed Could you imagine what would happen if we knew how it ends But if you could what would you give up just to do it
All right. So lots of big questions uh, in the tunes and uh, exploring the existential crisis of, of life. And um, there's a couple references to like church and, and spirituality and, and maybe wanting to, to believe in something, but being skeptical. Um, were you raised religiously at all? Um, yeah, I, I guess I wasn't really raised like super religious. I, I grew up Jewish, um, and I, I was bar mitzvahed and like did the whole thing, but I, I think I was always fairly skeptical of, of any human being telling me like the answers or like, or any kind of fairy tales about, you know, about anything really. So I, I don't know, I guess my questions and my concerns and, and like, especially in my song Judini, which is like uh, maybe Jesus and Houdini are friends is like the main thing. It's like yeah. magic, magic and spiritual and not spirituality, but magic and religion kind of always held the same weight um, in my, you know, in my mind, I, I always kind of saw them as hand in hand. And uh, in that song, it kind of isn't about me as much in my spirituality or my religious like quest for answers. It's more just like begging the question of like, man, we're really like flushing the earth down the toilet and we're really like not being great people. And like, I want to believe that there's something else and there's something greater but like all I do know is what's right here. And I know that for sure, or as, as sure as I can be of anything. And, and I just kind of want to treat this, this world and, and each other with respect. And, and that's more, much more important to me. And, you know, maybe that's all real, but I guess I'm just trying to beg that question to other people to kind of say like snap out of it a little bit you know, believe what you want to believe, but not at the expense of, you know, everything that we actually have, you know, right now. Yeah. Agreed, man. And, and I do think that there's like, I don't know, there is like a lot of magic in mysticism. So I see how you kind of put those in the same area of, of belief. Yeah. You know? And, um, uh, yeah, just like going along with like flushing the earth down the toilet. Um, I had this dude, Shout out to Zach Clark who came on this podcast a while back and he he dropped this line on me that is stuck and he was just telling me how the, he had this shift where he just kind of st started treating everybody as if they were magic or like great and and how that kind of like shifted his mentality and and like what his interactions are like because of that and I just found wow. that super interesting and is something that has stuck with me heavy wow that is really cool it's not the, what you think you know you always i you it, you tend to kind of make people other people kind of like evil you know before like when you think about trying to make the world better you kind of are like well other people are bad and we need to make them better but if you really look at them as as special magical things maybe that's the way to do it yeah it's definitely it definitely shifts the mindset a bit um are you someone that is like often sitting down to write when you're feeling 
conflicted or is it usually after you've had time to like process whatever you're experiencing and then writing? Um, I guess it really depends. I, you know, in the Nashville tradition, I, I try to be fairly nine to five when it comes to, you know, writing as far as like, you know, I think magic can come to you if you let it. And I think if, if you kind of write every day, regardless of if you're feeling up to it or, or feeling inspired, it kind of allows those weird moments to happen. And um, so I guess both, I I think for the one song that's like coming to mind is this new song quiver um, that, I think you're going to be playing later on. Yeah, we're going to have an episode with it for sure. Awesome. Yeah, so that song um, was one specifically. I, w- I went through like a crazy, you know, turmoil or time. Like it was just like an insane moment. And then a year later, the song just like, I like threw it up. It was just like, okay, I guess that's the that's me grappling with this moment a year later out of nowhere. I wasn't like, Oh, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write a song about that. I was just like started playing a guitar part. And then I wrote the whole thing. It was just, it was pretty amazing. It's like, I, I've rarely had moments like that songwriting and I've been writing songs for, you know, 20 years basically at this point, you know, not professionally all that time, but yeah. So I, I don't know, I guess you just kind of have to leave yourself open to like either way, you know, if you're like nine to five or if you're just like, you know, it hits you and you just kind of write it. I don't know. Were you always somebody that was pretty comfortable with, uh, sharing their, their feelings through song and especially with, I don't know. It seems like you you write from a pretty personal or, or vulnerable place, at least with the the Lonus stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think that I've like everybody. I've always been a little insecure about like, oh, is this is this feeling gonna like expose some weird part of me or something? Um, and I don't think I really saw such a importance for being so honest until this project. Um, I think it's because it's a solo project. I've never felt like I could completely write a song that's fully like telling us like my own thoughts and stories when I'm like sharing the stage with someone. Cause it, for some reason it always kind of felt like we could be, like in my band, the St. John's, like we wrote some really like sad songs and some really like, like story songs and things, but it was never like that personal to me. It was always kind of like a hypothetical, you know, it was like, I believe in what I'm singing, but it's not really my story. It's like our collective consciousness story. And so this project is the first time I saw like the full value, both kind of like to help my psyche. Like I'm kind of, going through therapy by like writing, you know, an EP, but then also to kind of like, I think the more honest I am, 
it might be a smaller group of people that can identify, but those people are going to be like, oh shit, dude, I know what he's talking about. Yeah. And I think that's really important to, to what this project is. It's like, if I can, Dan, if I could just sing to you and you be like, oh fuck yeah, I know what he's talking about. <laughs> then I did it. I've done my job. That's it. Well, it's such a cool feeling. Cause you know that that's happened for you so many times listening to other artists. Oh yeah. You know, for sure. And like I said at the beginning, like that was, that was my experience with your tunes from the get-go and like the more the more i found like the, like as as the ep became available and stuff i i just kind of found there's there's just these lines in each song man that that just like really really stand out to me like um the the first jam on the ep doesn't feel right and we kicked it off with that song for this episode and that's got the doesn't make me a hypocrite if if I look right at you when I um and lie when when I want the truth, I want the truth. That's it. Yeah, like, that's so killer. And I just feel like I don't know. I just feel like those lines exist throughout the entire catalog of of ones that I look forward to in each song. Oh man. And, well, uh, thanks. Yeah, man. I'm trying. I'm trying so fucking hard. Well, I appreciate the <laughs> fuck out kidding. of it, dude. And like, I, I <laughs> really, you. I really enjoy your your vocal delivery as well. And um, oh, yeah, thanks. Just uh, seems like it all comes from a a cool place. And like, do do the songs ever kind of like when you revisit songs a year or two later? Does it? ever kind of blow your mind how how the song meanings can change to you over time yeah i mean for sure i i think these songs specifically i i just i feel like i was very specific with what i was trying to say but mostly to me it's like my like production choices and stuff it's just like i listen back even like six months later and i'm like whoa like, why did I do that? That's crazy. And then I'll listen another six months later and I'll be like, oh, I love that I did that. It's just so insane. It's like that kind of flip-flopping of like tastes and preferences and like things that you, I don't know. It's just wild. Yeah. And I and I know you already, you released Haunted Kaleidoscope, which is like the, is that the first single off the upcoming EP that you're going to drop? It, yes, it is. And I'm not quite sure if it's, you know, I had it all planned out to where I was going to do, you know, two, six song EPs. Um, and I might just make this next one a shorter one because I'm working on so much new stuff and I kind of just want to get the new stuff going. Like I said, I feel really good about the way it's all coming together and I'm just excited to, to share it with everybody. So this one might be a shorter EP, but um, it'll be Haunted Kaleidoscope quiver which is the the next single out in january and uh and then who knows maybe one or two more um but i reserve the right to completely change my mind about all of that so, <laughs> yeah that's i mean that's the joys of kind of having like a solo project right where you that's right you get to make, make all, all the, the calls rules. and uh <laughs> yeah and you can you can kind of change things on the fly if you want that's right damn right and yeah, haunted kaleidoscope, dude. Just another another killer jam, and really ex dig like you exploring the the ego stuff within that jam. That's it. That's the whole. That's the whole thing. It's the whole it trip. Is funny. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's it's so funny. I really am like a, kind of a one trick pony when it comes to uh, 
not really a one trick pony, but it, I write a, a lot of songs about that. It's like, feels like, you know, I'm, I'm 30, I'll be 31 soon. And I just feel like that's the time. This is the time that I'm yeah. going through this weird, like existential, but also more like, why am like, what do I want to do? Like, what do I want to leave? Not even leave behind, but just like, how do I want to spend my days and, and what's going to make me feel the best down the road. And I think that like saying what I'm saying now is kind of helping me answer those questions. Maybe the next project I do or next, you know, next full length record or whatever will kind of be answering the question. I hope, I hope I get there to answering those questions, but right now I'm still just asking them. Absolutely, man. No, and I, I definitely think that's the time where you start, you know, asking those questions and, and mortality kind of starts to creep in a little bit. Maybe you like experience people passing away and you start thinking about your own mortality every single day and it kind of becomes this inescapable thing. And I, I just like really appreciate like the the thought and like intent of like, how am I going to spend my time here while I'm here? Hey, you want to write a song? Uh, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> it sounds, sounds like you've got some ideas, dude. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm over here writing some tunes here and there, but I'm also kind of in that same boat where I just feel like I'm just asking questions. Most of the time, it's not like yeah. there's no information in them. They're just a lot of questions. Yeah. But you're allowed to ask questions. That's the whole, that's the whole thing. We're all just asking questions. Yeah, man. And I think you start to realize that too, as you get older, that everybody's just kind of out here and trying to figure it out. And even like when you get into those thirties, you start realizing that your parents and, and your family were just, you know, they're just older people. They're not like superheroes or anything. <laughs> that's, I guess that's really my biggest issue with, with church, you know, any church, synagogue, church, mosque. It's like, I love the community aspect. I love that people are getting together and they're being, you know, the underlying message is to be a better person and to, to treat people well. But I think it's the answers part that really bums me out. It's like the, the story kind of just like, I don't know. I, I like to ask the questions. I don't really love for someone to tell me they have an answer when, when I know that they can't possibly, Yeah, you know, that's always kind of suspect when, when somebody seems to think that they have all of the answers for these things that you right. know that they don't. And I, I, I'm very much in that same boat of, you know, I really respect like the religious community and, and I, I find a lot of value like in, in the, like the core values of, of most religions, but just the, the organized religion thing has, has just turned me off over the years. And I just yeah, feel like it like lacks humility in some way. And there's just always this uh, presentation of like perfection where, where that's like very much <laughs> misses the point of the whole thing. I feel like. Right. And I know that there, you know, there will definitely be listeners who are like right now, like, I don't know what they're talking about and, or, or they're not, they're not thinking about the church I go to, which is like super rad and like very liberal and like really whatever. And like, uh, that's great. And if they could all be like that, then we wouldn't have any problem. But th we've seen time and time and time and time and time again, how power can just completely crumble the whole thing. And you look at televangelists, you know, doing their thing and, and just lying for profit and, 
you know, all of this stuff. It's just like, that's my problem. Not the people that are doing great stuff. And, and, you know, so yeah, anyway, the, the righteous gemstones of the, uh, of the world. I love that show, dude. Oh, I'm glad you so understand good. that reference. <laughs> that was just for yeah. you and I. <laughs> Danny McBride. Danny McBride's been a big, uh, just one of my favorite actors always since like Foot Fist Way, one he's, of his first yeah, movies yeah. that he did. He's the fucking uh, best. Yeah, he's so good. And he's, I just feel like the world needs shows like that to just be like, who, like, this is a joke. This is, and it's not that far away from the truth and, and it's a total joke. So like, what, what's the pro? What are you not seeing? Yeah. You know? no, like he, the federal government like supplements these people. <laughs> yeah. It, it, Tax exempt. It's, are you it, kidding? It's interesting listening to him talk about righteous gemstones. Cause he, I like, I know that he did a lot of like, those are some of his family and his people like, and, and knowing those people that like go to those types of churches and, and he wanted to like yeah. really like capture the authenticity of that. And that shows wild though. Cause it's, it's like, it's hilarious, but then there's like a couple episodes where I'm like crying too. And I'm just like, yeah. Whoa, what's happening? Super, yeah. <laughs> Super dark. That's the, that's how you know it's a good show. They can walk that line, you know, that's like, yeah. Right on dude. Um, well, dude, I appreciate this chat so much. I'm glad that we, we connected. I am so glad and I'm so glad you hit me up. I was, I was very, very pleasantly surprised and, uh, you gotta come hang out next time you're in Nashville. And, uh, I know I'm going to be in Portland, um, fairly soon. That's you're, you're in Portland, right? I'm in Portland, Portland, Oregon. That's right. (laughs) Uh, yeah, I should, I should be out there. I love Portland so much. I actually, you know, obviously Nightwind is about you. I was going, I was going to ask you if that was about Portland, Oregon or, or if it was about Portland, Maine, the other famous. No, 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 no. Uh, it's about Portland, Oregon. I, I actually, uh, went on a big trip with my now wife, um, to Portland and that's where I like proposed. And it was just the most magical trip. And we went started in Portland and, and, uh, actually got engaged there and then drove up, all the way, you know, to Bellingham and, uh, up to, uh, Vancouver. And it was just a amazing trip. And it's just one of those moments that you like keep in your mind as like, and you just keep getting further and further away from it. You know, no, however hard you try to hold on to those moments. It's like, no, that's, that's past now, you know, yeah. that's never, it's never, we're never going to be, you know, 25 and in Portland again. Absolutely. Um, and so that's, uh, yeah, I love Portland. I will definitely be back. I will hopefully bring my wife, Meg, and we can uh, have a drink together and and talk about music. Yeah, dude. Hit me up, and I will let you know if I'm cruising through Nashville. That's on my, uh, my, uh, that's on my list of places to get this year. So Awesome. Well, got, we'd love to have you. I got to go see a show at the Ryman, dude. Let's do it. Hey, uh, if you wait like six, seven years, maybe, maybe it could be me. <laughs> that yes. would that would be amazing, dude. <laughs> if that was my first Ryman show, that would be rad. Oh, I don't. That would be really fun. I don't know if I'm like really looking forward to waiting six or seven more years. 
Hey, um, let's make it faster then. Let's like, just like, let's work on it. We just Get really, the word out. We just really need the right retweet for this particular podcast episode. We need one of those. I'll like, get, I'll get Taylor or Marin or like one of those, one of those country, country girls to, uh, just try to, try to <laughs> let it loose. Right on, dude. Um, I, I really love your tunes, dude. So thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing and talking with me about it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I just, the fact that you are a fan is, uh, just awesome to me. So I appreciate it. And, uh, maybe, yeah, let's try to make the rhyme in, in less time than that. <laughs> we'll do it. Maybe even just an opening slot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's doable. I, I feel like we could get there. So <laughs> let's just, uh, let's just make it happen. Heads down, you know? Um, this quiver jam, you're going to, you're going to let us do like a, a sneak exclusive listen. At this, this is, this is, this is exclusive. And it, this is another like great thing about me being completely independent on this project is that I can just be like, Dan, I like you. And I want you to have a month early exclusive <laughs> to this track. Just the day of just, I'm just like, yeah, let's do it. Uh, so yeah, this is um, a song that's very dear to my heart. It was that one I was telling you about. Um, it kind of just fell out of me a year after um, one of my really, really close friends kind of uh, basically called me and was like, going to end his life. And I was like, no, you're not. And I tried my hardest to, you know, from 3,000 miles away, try to, you know, pick up the pieces. And luckily, it's a happy ending to the story, but it was a really, really scary moment in my life. And so, uh, so this is quiver. Yeah, man, these lyrics are heavy. This is probably one of my favorite tunes of yours. So, um, the, the strings on the song sound amazing. And, uh, yeah, man, sometimes the song just connects heavy to you at the right time and and you sent me this thing like an hour ago proposing the idea of of maybe sharing this on the on the podcast and i was so stoked that you sent it to me because uh yeah i've just been having a real a real fuck day here today uh oh no man and no this conversation has like shifted the entire day so i appreciate you uh kind of filling the cup with this uh this conversation and and also like yeah, this tune just came at the the right time for me, and uh, I appreciate it very well, yeah, much. I mean, well, I'm glad, and I think that's the, the hopefully the point of it. And um, you know, we can just cry cry together <laughs> to this song because it's it's really a sad one, but it's you know, I yeah. think we all we all need it. Yeah, so. I think we all wish we had a steadier hand too. So that's that's, uh, that's the big line in the jam. My takeaway from it, and. Uh, we're going to play it out with that song, that that quiver jam. Uh, we end every episode of the podcast with the guest saying the tagline for the show, which is, it's a program. So if we could get the lonus, it's a program, we can properly uh, end this thing. Mm, it's a program. He nailed it. He nailed it, everybody. That's that's Lou. That's lonus. Uh, that's I'll, I'll, I'll put all the links in the episode notes so people can uh, follow along with you if they want to, you know, find out more where you're playing or uh, just finding out when more songs are coming out. But I encourage people to uh, check out your jams. They're all over the streaming services, people. And uh, Quiver will be out for people to listen to more frequently in January. 
Yes, yes. Just look for it uh, the second week of January. Cool, dude. Um, that's it, everybody. That's the Jelly Jams. We're uh, playing it out with Quiver. And uh, we will catch you on the flip side, Portland. Underneath the sink of the hallway bathroom, there's a first aid kit with a needle that I can use to stitch you up because you're bleeding out. And it's far too deep for a bandage now.
Mm, it's a program 